Welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malifaux podcast, episode 31, from Nightmares Review Part 1. Um, yeah, no, I don't have anything that's particularly special about starting it. I usually wait for, like, an out-of-context joke, but that's also really, really hard to do when there's only two people. Oh, you'd be very surprised. Yes. So there's going to be absolutely no surprise. We're just going to go ahead and start here. Hey, welcome to Steam Powered Scoundrels. I am your lone host, Douglas Scoundrels, and with me is a very, very special person. A person who is a master at Through the Breach. Weird's amazing companion RPG to the... Oh, fuck, it dropped something. Professionalism. Yeah, it's professional as hell. You know, I, 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 I was just thinking to myself. You know, it's like we're we're talking about the the book about the Neverborn. I mean, I'm I'm imagining your podcast is going to get canceled in Texas pretty quick. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm just going to keep sassing them about everything they do, and the only people person that will like me is the Nick Westbrook because he is a literal saint. <laughs> But we're not talking about the patrons, we are talking about... Uh, actually, no, no, let's go back to this. We are talking about Michael, the dead Aussie gamer. Say hello. Hello! G'day, g'day. Yes, just uh, just like my name, I'm a true blue Aussie. We are not actors uh, on the bottom side of the world. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a performer, entertainer, uh, specializing in role-playing games, and one of my favorite, of course, is Through the Breach. Yes, my fa- my personal favorite, because I don't play nearly as many rpgs and a lot of the ones i join they end up dying and i'm pretty sure it's not my fault so uh i blame dungeons and dragons but yeah we we're talking about under we're not under quarantine why does this say under quarantine uh because it's 2021 and we're still dealing with 2020 i mean huh fair fair we're just gonna change that right now from nightmares we're talking about Front Nightmares, the lovely new supplement for Through the Breach. A big one. People have been waiting for this thing for a long time, as in since the Kickstarter, if I recall correctly. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, if you actually look in the core rulebooks, there's actually references to the From Nightmare book in the core rulebook um, <laughs> for, like, ages. It's just been like, oh, yeah, this book about Neverborn. Crickets. For years. I... I can understand why, because doing something for Neverborn is such a departure from what you're used to as far as, like, your party and characters and, you know, the quote-unquote protagonists of Malifaux. For the most part, Neverborn have kind of been seen as antagonists in, in some way or another, but uh, this changes today, or a couple weeks ago, I guess. We've been record- recording this on the 16th of March. Oh my god, this has been... This month. Where did it go? It's gone. It's gone. It's gone forever. I hate it. I'm getting old. Okay, from (laughs) Nightmares. We are actually going to do this in a two-parter. Today we are going to be talking about the mechanics, mostly. Stuff you might be interested in as a player or as a Fate Master. Things you might want to integrate into your character or your campaign. Stuff that stuck out to us, because Michael is a very good... Game master, I think the general—that's the general term, right? That's the one everyone accepts. Uh, yeah, the the general one is 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 game master, but I feel like in context we can just say fate master here. Yes, fate master, and I would like to think I'm halfway decent at it because I've been playing it long enough. I've had to absorb some skill. My current campaign has been going on for two and a half years, 
And we're finally on the last pursuit step. We just started it yesterday. So exciting. After that, I hope to do something uh, even more more spectacular. We might even try streaming it. But anyways, that's besides the point. Today we're talking about mechanics. So that's primarily going to cover the talents, the magia, the grimoires, if we really want to talk about those, uh, new equipment, some of the flora of Malifaux that they decide to list here in the book. Uh, points from the Beast Year that we think are interesting, and then we'll end it with the character creation and how that differs from the other supplements, as well as the new pursuits and advanced pursuits. And hopefully this won't take too terribly long, because it is it is late for me, it is very early for you, and we have other things to do. <laughs> okay, starting from the top. If you're going through the book, I apologize, but we're going to start in Talents. I I'm sorry, that's page 129 here. So I'll give you a little bit of time to flip through that. And, yes, uh, there's a bunch here. We're not going to go through each and every one. So I figured I'd ask you, Michael, what you thought stood out as very interesting talents that people may want to take. Or ones that just entertained you. Oh, well, I mean, look, I've got one straight off the bat, and that is the Craft Grimoire. Uh, talent. That was the first thing, the first listed one, and the first thing that sort of stood out to me was the ability to now create your own grimoires. So, uh, for those of you who may not necessarily be as uh, familiar with Through the Breach, uh, in order to cast magic, spellcasters require special artifacts known as grimoires, which contain a list of spells. Up until recently, the only way to acquire a grimoire was for a fate master to hand you one, or to give you one as part of the adventure. A lot of the adventures that are released by Weird, like the uh, the Penny Dreadfuls and stuff, don't really include too many of these grimoires, and there is definitely a certain layer, layer that's given to the Fate Master to make sure that any spellcaster on their table is looked after. The Craft Grimoire talent as a brand new thing now takes that and puts it in the Fated's hand, where they can now create their own grimoires. I've even uh, had a brief word with Matt, who's one of the uh, the writers of uh, the Neverborn book, and uh, he even mentioned so much as to say that not only can you create a grimoire, you could potentially create multiple grimoires if you were to um, repeatedly take this as a general talent, which I thought was freaking amazing. Like, it was just, oh my god, we can now craft exactly the type of grimoire that you want, rather than, you know, picking up these random books or objects or whatever. Yeah, I had been running with a house rule to sort of cover this just because I wanted to give people like a, a thing to do with crafting skills, but now I actually can just point to this talent and be like, hey, create whatever you want, buddy. Go go nuts. I sort of I think along those lines, something else that's just a general good utility or fills a hole, I want to say is identify magic. And what that does more or less is lets you just kind of detect magic that's occurred around you. Um, you can't necessarily know exactly what the spell was, but you can, like, oh, like, this person's under some sort of uh, necromantic mind control, or uh, I can smell illusion magic in this in this area. Stuff like that that kind of give you a little bit of a detective sort of skill to go about and suss out what's happened, as well as you'd be able to identify all the spells in a grimoire without actually having to attune to it, which is... With some of the grimoires can be quite dangerous. Yes. 
No, absolutely. And I, I yeah, I, I think it's going to definitely open up spellcasting a little bit more, which, as much as spellcasting is definitely muted in Through the Breach because of the nature of the setting, I think it's going to open it up and make it a lot more versatile now, which I think is, is just awesome. Any, anything else you want to mention? I can probably go over a couple other ones. Oh man, hatred of the dead. That was another. That was another <laughs> one that stood out to me. Holy crap! Uh, I hope. I hope no one played. No one's using the under quarantine book. Uh, seeing as we mentioned that, because with for no requirements, and I want to point this out for absolutely no requirements, when resolving an attack against an undead character, you can discard a card to just increase the degree of damage you deal to the undead. That's it. Just. Yep. Oh no, you didn't like dealing weak damage to the undead? No problem. Discard a card. Make it um, moderate. Did moderate? Let's get into the severe. Just discard a card. <laughs> you know who needs that black joker in your hand? Just, just boom. Well, not black joker, but you know what I mean. Um, you know, it, it was. It, it's a very, very powerful thing for for no requirement. I mean, it is obviously very specific in the sense that it only works on the undead. But if you really boil it down to it, there's not too many different types of enemies one uh, encounters and the undead do make a fair chunk of um of the adversaries in in the through the breach game so something like that was just holy crap yeah and if any time you know your fate master is gonna say hey we're gonna be spending the next few sessions in the quarantine zone might, might as well pick this up i can understand the requirement being something along the lines of something traumatic happening to you at the hands of the undead but i think they generally wanted to hand this to Twisted, the the new type of character, and say, hey, your entire species generally just has this massive hatred for undead, so just go nuts if you want. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, I mean, normally all of the prerequisites are usually like you have to be of this characteristic and stuff like that. But um, the, the, the no restriction actually also means that if you are an undead, you can still take this and get bonuses against other undead. <laughs> Self-hatred. Yes, right. That's that's that, that that's that's the thing. Um I mean even if the restrict requirement was like um like even, you know, and this is this is crazy, right? Because you've got like requirements like construct characteristic or you have to be undead or you have to be, you know, this that and the other. It could have very easily been hatred of the undead was, you know, neverborn exclusive. Like it's like you have to be a uh, a Neverborn, or you have to be a um, a non uh, non construct, non undead. But to have no restriction was just uh, was just one of the things that stood out to me as oh my god! Like, and I'm I'm trying uh, at the moment now to look into seeing if there's a way to make the talent that the Exorcist has in the Malifaux game <laughs> that allows you to treat everyone like they're undead. Ugh, uh, I would that would pr- just be. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably ask my fate master for something like that for a manifested power. Uh, maybe yeah. not, not just straight up. Maybe you have to like hit them with a spell or something. But yeah, no, the talents are actually pretty well rounded. I mean, this entire book is slightly skewed towards killing. It's kind of a it's kind of a feature of the Neverborn, but they'll still give. There's still a little bit of, of stuff there for everyone. Like there is a, a construct specific talent in here and technically there is one very particular character that will actually benefit from this but more or less it's just hey uh you're being shot at with spells you can just send damage right back to them by discarding cards it's actually really powerful depending on who you're who you're fighting the fact they went in and actually thought about constructs in this book 
is really, really nice. Because then, if even if you're not like, well, I don't really think I'm going to run a campaign with Neverborn, I'm not entirely sure if this is really for my party, you're going to get stuff out of this book, no matter what. Well, I mean, that's... um. That that's definitely true. I uh, one of the good things about through the breach I find is that the pursuits in particular aren't catered to you being anything in particular, like being undead or being human or being uh, in now neverborn. And there's now rules tucked away inside this book for playing puppet characters. Oh, okay. Just to spoil it. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, well, is there a spoiler if it's out and we're 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 breaking it down at this point? I mean, yeah, so there's uh, the construct characteristic also goes to these puppets, and um, and you, there, there's a bunch of stuff for um, for those who want to play living living dolls. Okay. Uh, before we move on, I'm just going to point out a couple more that just generally excite me. Uh, one is plead insanity, and it's kind of a complicated thing, but more or less says that hey, you can actually discard two cards to gain armor equal to half your crazy condition which i don't think i've ever played anyone that gained a lot of crazy it's it's pretty debilitating as far as a condition goes but so debilitating yeah they they tend to like hand you compensations for possibly just absolutely terrible things happening to your character yeah i mean that's the that's the thing that i think makes through the breach interesting is a lot of the talents don't just give you stuff if you are strong enough to handle a talent but there's actually tons and tons and tons of talents throughout all the books that actually require you to have like very low low statistics if we look at the core rule book for example and we look at a talent such as uh shrug off you need to have negative one resilience and you can then end a condition as a bonus action by discarding a card like that's a really powerful ability but the only way to get it is to really have bugger all resilience which means low hit points so you know it balances it out by giving a bonus to people who actually uh have uh, a lacking in particular fields and i think that's that's great because in a lot of role-playing games it's only like only when you get this strong can you now have these things which means that yeah if you tank a stat that's just dead to you whereas even your low stats can turn into a benefit through talents and through the breach uh let's just move on now to magic Hooray, I love magic. Um, we're getting, like, a handful of new magia for each of the four colleges, I like to call them colleges, four colleges of magic in Malifaux. Um, one thing interesting here is there is no uh, necromancy here. You want to explain why, Michael? Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, actually, there's, there's, there's a, the predominant reason as to why necromancy was left out is primarily because of the story tied into necromancy and the neverborn way 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 back when the neverborn were connected very deeply with malifaux uh, as a world uh the people being born from malifaux uh eventually more mostly associated with uh, titania's court and the fey eventually got into a war with the tyrants and um big battles ensued in order to try and get uh, a leg up on these very very powerful entities some turned to the dread art, which was known as uh, necromancy. This invoked or um, started to bring in the power of the graveyard spirit, which is a an entity of pure death and malevolence, which was considered taboo. And Titania, who was the uh, the fae queen that unleashed uh, necromantic magic, ended up 
like blighting Malifaux with death. And uh, since then, and since the betrayal uh, of Titania, the Neverborn and all of their like have cautionary tales that span into legend about not getting anywhere near or touching anything to do with necromancer, uh, necromancy. This, of course, was um, the old way, as it were, I guess. Um, and since the new edition, which is, of course, um, Malifaux 3rd edition, there have been some small, very small allowances of necromancy in the Neverborn world. But that is predominantly why I imagine in this book we don't actually have a dedicated necromancy list of spells and abilities. And what we have instead is a new... I keep using the term college. I like that term. What what do you call the four, technically five, different styles of magic, if I may sidetrack you? Oh, I usually just call them schools of magic. Like, um, okay. you know, I, I, I stick to the, uh, <coughs> the uh, stick to the old school, like, uh, D&D stuff. Like, yeah, schools of magic, transmutation, conjuration, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All that stuff. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So this qualifies as the the necromancy slot for this book. It's And the interesting thing is that twisted characters, the characters you create out of this book, don't use the necromancy skill. They use enchanting instead. So for them, this is just an additional list of enchanting spells. For everyone else that aren't Neverborn, uh, they will use the necromancy skill. So depending on who you are, you can actually change up your builds to take advantage of this uh, little fact. Um, The interesting thing, though, is that while it is considered an enchanting set of spells for Twisted, the prevailing suit is still crows but there is a way to sort of help the fact that enchanting's normally focused around rams uh but we'll get to that later so out of the magi is there anything you really want to like hey this is this is super interesting or i'm really excited they finally put this in the game well i'll, I'll actually back backpedal a little bit if i may yes um, go ahead so the Magia, of course, refer to the uh, the different spells and stuff like that, and um, it, I think it's transmogrification that now uses the uh, the crow suit. I loved the idea of using transmogrification instead of uh, necromancy to 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 basically still kind of get that vibe of um, of necromancy into it. But even before we get into the spells, there are actually two new magical theories. Oh yeah. That came out with it as well. Uh, one, of course, is the uh, dark rites, uh, and the other is ritualistic focus. Now, homebrew-wise, I know a lot of tables tend to avoid using the magical schools. Again, they are, at least in my opinion, they're a way to um, mute, I guess, magic in a way. Instead of um, just simply freely using magic as is, it gives tiny benefits and tiny penalties based on which school you have studied. These particular benefits that you get from the dark uh, dark rites and the ritualistic uh for me just kind of have that very shamanistic and very natural feel um that i think the others lack the others definitely feel like they're university taught university schools or even inherent magics gained by arcanists or the like but these ones are like you know it has that steeped in tradition kind of thing um like there's like a border between the savage worlds that have tapped into magic for time long before humans set foot in Malifaux. It, it's very stylistic and very cool. For the Dark Rites, after flipping a magical skill or jewel, all participants uh, have cheated fate. You can suffer two damage to or deal up to two damage to a friendly, willing character within a yard. 
in order to bring the final duel total up equal to the amount of damage inflicted. Like, for me, that's just, like, blood magic all the way. And I think that that's just such an awesome thing to add to the game now that you can just sort of, like, I lost, did I? Drain. Uh, and that's just so cool. Uh, the ritualistic one is uh, a character can select up to two magia and one imuto, which is kind of like, you know, a, a meta magic additive. Uh, that she knows uh, the TN of each Magia is reduced by negative 2 to a minimum of 3, and the Emoto, if it has a positive cost, is reduced by 1. Uh, every other Magia you know is increased by 3, but each day uh, you can make a 13 magic skill, and if you succeed, you uh, manage to complete your ritual and select a new set of Magia and Emoto you know, reducing the TNs as appropriate. So, in my mind, what this is, is this is an ability to add versatility back to your um to your list so while it might be harder for you to cast certain spells it um it definitely uh adds a wider variety of things that you are now able to perform or things that you are able to do and those two things are probably for me standoutish the things i'm most interested in when it comes to magic at the moment Awesome. Yeah, no, I the second I saw Dark Rites, I kind of assumed well, there is a kind of a slight running theme about um inflicting damage upon oneself for benefit in this book. Mm. And while you can definitely do that, and there are ways to give you just an abs- an absurd amount of wounds in this game, thanks to this book, um this has gotta be like really good for people that want to focus in summoning. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. And especially if you uh dabble a little bit in the uh in one of the pursuits in particular, which we'll, we'll talk about a bit later on, there are some major benefits you can have for having your character on low hit points. Yes. Ritualic, ritualistic focus, cool, awesome. I, I like the idea of you just sort of sacrificing a bit of versatility to be really good at just a couple things. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the Magian oh, yes. now. Back to, Thank, <laughs> back no, to Magian. No, that's fine. I, I was planning on talking about the theories, and I completely forgot. So thank you for going back. Hooray! So, uh, let's start with uh, Enchanting. I think, for me, Enchanting, I I love the idea that it's both um, mind control as well as uh, building, you know, and enhancing weapons and stuff. So, for me, Aether- uh, Etheric Lock is my favorite of the Enchanting Magias. Uh, it's where you target an object and it becomes enchanted, and any character within five yards of the object uh, would be removed from reality, such as, like, like if you have buried effects, like death marshals and stuff like that mm-hmm. um you just simply aren't that's it just just <laughs> to hell with you and your, your 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 ability to take me out of reality yeah uh this would also get into the fact that they're considering other people besides um even the twisted characters because this is perfect for like a like a nightmare type hunter character because uh, the nightmares really like to bury themselves mm, absolutely uh do you have any favorite enchanting ones Enchanting? I was actually going to point out that one too. So let's, let's let's go. Let's move right along. We agree. It is the best yes. one. It is the best one. <laughs> it's the one that excites me the most. Although Malfortune is also pretty hilarious. It just basically curses them with bad luck. If they screw yeah. up a, specifically a skill challenge bad enough, they'll just take three damage. Yeah. See, I could see myself just using that on my teammates. Like, hey, no pressure. <laughs> like, <laughs> but if you stuff this up, I'm gonna cut you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tr- transmogrification, the sort of sort of necromancy, sort of necromancy. Yeah, uh, a few more spells here because it's kind of new. 
Okay, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna bring this up just because I I think, look, it's no it's no secret how much I love uh, weird and through the breach and stuff like that. But there are certain things that um, that I'm I'm more than happy to call people out on. Now, let me just look this up before I before I put my foot in my mouth. Is this muta- mutative healing? No, not mutative healing. Oh, okay. Here we go. Okay, so there is a necromancy spell called mind control. Which, when I look at uh, transmogrification, there is dominate, which I get. I get that you know transmogrification is not supposed to be necromancy and the like. But when you release a book with like five or six spells, you know, I don't want to see the same thing twice. You know, dominate uses it to specifically target beasts, plants, and swamp fiends to become a subordinate, whereas mind control is forces a target to take an action on your behalf. So there is a slight difference. And I'm not sure how I feel about how slight that difference is, right? Like, I would love transmogrification to, like, give me a bit of uh, the abilities, like, say, uh, Marcus has, right? The ability to turn into chimeric creatures or something, or, you know, adopt some of the aspects of some of the Malifaux beasts and flora and fauna. Because that, for me, is, like, transmogrification. So, um, so yes, I, I, I wanted to bring that up. I was like, you know, the first thing I saw was dominate and I was like, that's okay, but I could just be a beast master or I could just be this, that, and the other. It doesn't give me anything special or unique. That being said, one of the ones that I did love, like, holy crap, was the dark revelation where if you are under the effect of any mind controlling thing, then you basically... Uh, make people suffer damage and the like uh, and get to take an attack action because screw people who have mind-affecting abilities. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's a double-edged sword. I, I don't like the fact that they went back to mind-affecting and control and domination again, but I love the fact that they've now added a um, a sword to protect yourself from those things. Yeah. I will. I will defend Dominate a little bit. I think it's there to give sort of that similar feel that mind control does to a character that can't take mind control. I feel like this is specifically designed for twisted characters. Mm, but keep in mind that that's that uh in my, at least the, the way I yeah, the 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 thing that that catches me out on it is the fact that it's only beneficial really in that way to twisted characters. Whereas there are still tons of other characters and for me I'm like all the other books are accessible to the twisted as well you know with the exception of the necromancy spells whereas the transmogrification is uh it's kind of like you want people to be able to tap into it to the same effect as the twisted as well you know yeah i get you that that, at least that's that's where i'm coming from i and like i said it's it's not that i it's not that i hate it or i ostracize it but i'm like there's there's six slots there's so many other really cool neverborn powers and abilities that could be unlocked here. Yeah, fair. Okay. Um, the only thing I'm like excited about, which is purely like a utility spell. I actually really like utility stuff. Like, hey, this game isn't necessarily all about just killing things. And this is this is walk in the woods. Now, this is something other people aren't going to be a take taking because it requires some things that you only get being a twisted character. But it just lets you teleport. If you're like in a bot, if you're in woods out in the wild, it'll let you teleport for miles away just for one spell. The idea of a gremlin getting that spell terrifies me. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, like, I, the, the idea of a gremlin twisted in general terrifies me. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh goodness, yeah, but I, yeah, I like the the general utility thing, and it feels very, very, very nephilim. Okay, uh, moving on to sorcery. Uh, oh man, sorcery was is is awesome. I've I've always been a fan of the summons and summoning megaflora and megafauna are always fantastic. Uh, especially given the flora and fauna that are now available in this book, I look. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the guy to say it. I love the fact that you can summon a peon, minion, or enforcer um, with the megafauna. The thing that excites me ever so slightly is that there is a um, there is a penny dreadful book called uh, Jurassic Foe, <laughs> oh, no. which is I'm sure. A, uh, a very favorite of, uh, of a number of people. And uh, one of the, the faunas, unfortunately, is a henchman, which is the Malasaurus Rex. Oh, darn. Yeah, I know, right? That was the biggest darn I, had, I ever had. I was sitting there going, <laughs> so close, so close. And then, yeah, just, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. But there's still, there are still, like, plenty of, um, of other options as well. The Honeypot Creeper, for example, is uh, another really, really good one. And, uh, of course, the, um, well, I wouldn't say the Rougarou. What was the Corrupted Hounds? That's the one. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, there are, lots of, there are lots of beasts and critters and creatures that you can summon, which, as I was mentioning before, brings back that Marcus feel, which I love. I, I, I definitely like the Beastmaster myself. Yeah, um, I'm going to go and talk about the other one. What you, you technically mentioned both, but you're excited about Summon Malafauna. I'm excited about Summon Malaflora, not only because there are some really terrifying plants in this game that you can summon. <laughs> plants are scary, folks. But also, uh, this one little additional line that makes it so freaking useful uh, summon a peon, minion, or enforcer with the plant characteristic anywhere within range, or a non-sentient plant native to Malifaux of the caster's choosing. They have, we'll get to it, they have an entire section devoted just to plants. Not like murder plants, that's a different section. But this is just like, this is sort of your, your potions kind of thing. Like, these are the mushrooms you use to make people fall asleep or easier to manipulate. There's this root that makes you a lot better of a caster. All these cool things and be able to just pull that up out of the ground and use it when you really need it is, is awesome. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, the fact that it doesn't disappear as soon as the spell's over is another big benefit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. I like how they have to specify plant will not disappear or wander off after, after this. <laughs> after the spirit. Unless it has legs. Oh, okay, never mind. It says unless it has legs. If it's got legs, it might wander off. But it, it does It does open another level of versatility. For example, like if you created a, um, like a, a plant creature to grow out of the ground and uh, obstruct a, a door or something, you know, that's it. It's just there now, you know. I I'm terrified of you just like being able to just rip a hole in the middle of the street for a plant. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm strong. And uh okay. Let's let's keep the ball rolling. Let's go on to press a digitate. I will also say that burst is absolutely nuts. Read it when you got the time. <laughs> oh yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, cuz and I want to point out just just on that bleeding out is like the worst condition you can get in this yes. game. And burst will yeah. do irreducible damage and hand out bleeding out if they take just a ton of it. 
Prestidigitation, yeah. the toolbox school All of right, magic. Alright, now, straight up uh, silence. I've been waiting for that yes! freaking spell yes. for ages. Silence is just so good. Target a single object, become um, it becomes unable to make any noise for one minute. Uh, any sound that the, the target would directly make, such as footsteps, uh, engine noise, and speech, is rendered completely silent. Now, here's the thing with that. It reads, target a single being or object, right? But it's any uh, noise that that, that person or that, that, pers- that personal creature would directly make. So if I cast it on a... Like, say I cast it on you, and you were to fire a gun, technically speaking... It is noise made directly from your influence. Therefore, you've silenced your gun. Oh. Yeah, I yeah. didn't think about that. So, um, casting silence on people, even outside of, of that, like if you use it on like the snipers and stuff like that, or ninjas, or uh, Torakage and stuff, you know, holy crap, like silence is just such a versatile spell um, that just ups the <laughs> level of sneaking, like, tenfold. <laughs> You and I went with different directions when reading that. Like that's that's the like the cool smart thing to do. I just thought of because it specifies engine, I just thought of the ability to run people over with a car really easily. <laughs> I'm haunting. <laughs> it just no one's hearing me. Oh no. Okay. Uh, or 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 you know, I mean if you you could always go the dark route and just sort of be like when you kidnap people, cast silence on them and just oh, beat the crap out of them. Yes. Oof. Just, just like, tell me when it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cruel. <laughs> okay. Hey, it's it's inevitable. Okay. World. We have we're, we're we're past we're past the magia, Ma- magia. I don't I don't know what the official pronunciation is that of that is. Uh, I, I I say I say magia because you know like oh 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 yeah because it's magi. Okay. Not magi. So I'd say magia. Uh, magia. Magia. Yeah, magia. magia. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Look, I'm, um, I'm a voice actor, so, like, you know, part of it is, like, you gotta, you got to figure out how stuff sounds when, you, when you you're just, saying it. So. You just got to be confident when you say it, and everyone will believe you, regardless of what the actual pronunciation is. Is it we GIF have... or GIF? Uh, start that one. I'm no. not going to start that one, no, sir. <laughs> okay, let's... We we have grimoires. Do, is there any, any of the unique grimoires you want to point out? Uh, there's not a ton here, but uh, some of them are either just really, they just seem like really fun or hilarious. Look, I'm okay. I'm going to be honest here. I, I've only given them a cursory look. Um, yes. But that being said, I appreciate the fact that there are so many of these. The thing about Malifaux, as I've said now multiple times, is that it's not a magic-heavy system. There are there There is definitely a, a, a certain pressure being put on anyone who is playing spellcasters or the like. Because of that, you don't see too many magic items, even in the in, in into the Steam book, which is supposedly the Arcanist slash MNSU book. Um, there's a lot of um, cybernetics and augmentations and steampunk stuff, but still not too many like pure magic items and objects and stuff. So the thing I love about this is that the fact that there are a ton of magic items and stuff. The Hushabai cloak, for example, which reminded me of Doctor Strange's cloak from uh, from the Marvel movies. Oh yeah, uh, where you get this cloak companion that flies around and wraps people up in in shadow. I mean, it it it's cool, you know. Like it's great to actually see that kind of element of magic coming in in little bits and pieces. 
I always thought that the reason there wasn't a ton of, like, unique magical items in the game was that you're supposed to be making them yourself with the, with, with, like, Mage stuff. Well, I mean, that is potentially true. Uh, yeah. For me, I've always read it as the nature of Malifaux began with the decline of magic. And mm-hmm. no one's actually ever pointed out that that decline has ever stopped. So when magic started to die, that's when humanity looked to Malifaux to getting soulstones and reinstigating, you know, magic back into the world. And while they've done that, they haven't actually done anything to stop or prevent that decay from eventually, one day, removing magic entirely from humanity. So in my mind, while there are, of course, people who do still build uh, and create magic items and the like, especially with soulstone technology, I don't see too many of them like, that are just inherently magical. Like, they weren't crafted or weren't built or they were, uh, they were imbued with, with powers that we don't under, understand. Like the, um, uh, the Mother's Eye, the Mother's Witch Eye. Ah. You know, which is uh, a grimoire soulstone, you know what I mean? And for me, it's like, that has nothing to do with uh, an artificer going up and building it or creating it. No one knows where it comes from. It's like this this fetish that was kind of built like you know kind of Blair Witch Project style Mm, okay you know and you don't really get to see too many of those kind of like just like this this is magic it's it's a bundle of sticks and a stone in the middle but this is magic (laughs) as heck okay now I get it so so the human concept of what is magic their understanding of magic and Malifaux is very recent so all of the magical items that are them are stuff they've created themselves until we get to this book where we're actually discussing the Neverborn and the fact they've been here for centuries, millennia, all this other stuff. So they have this backlog of magic, this history of it. So we see more of these things in this book than in the other ones. But then there's also the Lady from Paris, which is my favorite unique rumor, which is just it's just a minigun that sets yep. things on fire. That's all it is. I love it so much, and one of, one of the few things you can just toss at your non-Neverborn companions and be like, hey, there you go, have fun. So yep, things enjoy this. <laughs> if you really love them, yep. you, give them you give them the lady from Paris. All right, well, moving on. Equipment. The- oh, no, go ahead, go ahead, Kutz. Go oh, ahead. I was going to say, um, I still, I, I, it also, uh, on that note, it brings up an element of the story that I really want to explore, and that is the concept of nobody. Oh, oh! Who apparently is okay. a uh, who apparently is a famous Neverborn hunter, and and yeah, no one knows anything about him. <laughs> Definitely, um, some of um, Odysseus's travels got into uh, got into Malifaux. Who hurt you? Nobody. <laughs> who killed your family? Nobody. Who was on first? <laughs> Who's on first? Um, yeah. Equipment. Lots of stabbing weapons. Actually, a decent amount of guns. I'm surprised that there's guns in here. And then, like, two pieces of armor. Okay. Um, the uh, yeah. the best thing, hands down, is the Mahu... Uh, <laughs> Makuhatil. Makuhatil. That one. Yes. I took a uh, high school history class and know that from... Yeah, we don't learn about South America and Australia. It's house, uh, yeah, no, that, that's... It's totally understandable. You have bigger things to worry about <laughs> over there. Yeah, uh, so yeah, the Makuhito, it's, uh, yeah, like, seriously, just, it's awesome. It's like, uh, uh, Barbaros was one of my favorite Neverborn. I say was. Um, 
Yeah, Bob Ross was one of my favorite ones, and uh, I, I loved his uh, Makuhito. It was just like it's just the nastiest looking thing. Uh, you know, saw blades on both sides of this giant stone thwopping at a sword. Um, it was great. My favorite, I believe it's the skinning knife. Which one has flints? Skinning knife. Yep, skinning knife. And it's it's not necessarily the knife itself, the fact they introduced the special rule of flens, which is new, and I'm kind of surprised that it's just now come out, and the flens special rule for weapons says that the target is prone or paralyzed or incapacitated in some way. The we- weapon gains a double positive on attack and damage, or actually no, a positive on de- attack and a positive on damage, and like sort of, you know, Dealing damage snakily to someone who's in a, like, in, in a compromised position is something that's sort of been skirted around or just gently hinted at in some, like, pursuits and stuff. And now you just have a rule you can slap onto some weapons, not just this one, that gives you that ability. Like, oh, you've managed to knock someone down. Here's some extra damage. Go, go ham. Nice. Uh, and you know what? It, like, knocking people prone is not as difficult as one would think. If you are specialized in knocking people down or knocking people prone, only people who have specialized in, like, athletics who are really, really tough will <laughs> even have any chance of stopping you. Otherwise, you know, they're just going down. Ouch. Move, cat. My cat is stepping on my book. Okay, um, anything to say about the guns? Um, I love the idea of cauterize uh, on, a, on a gun now. Like, there's, there's cauterizing bullets which got added which allow you to uh, suffer damage and uh, you avoid getting uh, bleed out. Oh, dang. Yeah. Uh, yeah, characters suffer damage from this uh, weapon, do not resolve their black blood talent, and cannot gain the bleeding out condition from this attack. If this weapon would generate a critical effect that imparts bleeding out, the character suffers a critical ef- uh, effect one step below. Uh, I feel like they can also be really bad. I'm- <laughs> I, got- mm. I don't have my tables up yet. So, ideally, these are used as anti-Neverborn bullets, right? These are supposed to be um, anti-black-blooded type things. Yes. But, given the nature of it, I don't see why you couldn't, for example, shoot it into an open wound on a bleeding-out character. That would be ballsy. But, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. It'd be like, you know, freaking, um, what is it, like like Danny Trejo, like, you know, just sitting there like, you know, just give me my gun, bang, and then just seal up the wound. Yeah. I would definitely, as a, as, as a fate master, I would definitely allow someone to fire a cauterizing thing, which, you know, I mean, the doctoring check you need to make for stopping bleeding out, sometimes just, just take the damage, bro. Just just take it. Yeah. Yeah, I would... Oh, yeah, if they're, if they're also taking damage from it, yeah, go right ahead, have fun. Mm. <laughs> you're you're gonna any- do that, you stop bleeding out, but you're also still taking damage, it still weakens you, so it's a gamble. I love it. Yeah, and might knock you unconscious as well if you're not already. Yay. Mm. But, um, you know, I've actually had scenarios where my group's doctor actually ended up bleeding out um, because no one, and I mean no one, could make the uh, the check except on a red joker. So we ended up flipping, like, 20-something cards as everyone is trying to use a doctoring check and um, not, not a single red joker, and the guy just bled oh. out. And it was just oh, no. crap. Yeah, like, just, there's nothing sucks. you can do. Our doctor has is the hardiest one in the party. I think she has twelve wounds, ten wounds. Oh, that's pretty good. That's really just good. because she kept buying the the one talent that gives you extra wounds, just because she was afraid she was going to die. 
So I ended up being like really, really hardy, which is hilarious. <coughs> um, <laughs> my favorite. I don't necessarily have a favorite. I like how they the guns are. They're just slowly stepping up. How ridiculously these these weapons are. If you ever have like, I don't know, half an hour, read the Baronchetta Supreme and all the special things that come with it. Uh, to point it out, it costs seventy five script, which I believe is the equivalent of a field piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's nuts. And if I recall, at like I'm gonna go ahead and guess they've introduced that. That's that's the that's the Malfa version of Beretta. They do. I like how they've taken a good portion of real gun manufacturers and had m- made Malfa versions of it. Moving on, two pieces of armor, a hat, and a coat. Moving on. Well, I like the hat. <laughs> no, the hat is great. That, <laughs> yeah, that no, it's a white brim hat. What's that to love? <laughs> wait, wait, and there's even an ability called Brim Down, where you just tilt your hat ever so slightly and reduce the blast damage you receive by one. <laughs> <laughs> not, can you? I love just the, the visual on that. Just like this, like, whale shit. And then he tilts his hat down. And that's it. Just boom. Yeah. I think I think they're definitely going for a particular aesthetic because the other option in this is the lead line coat, which gives you bulletproof and protected. Is that legs or arms? Arms. Mm. And I always get masks and and crows confused because I think I feel like crows should be legs, but I think in the book they're arms. Yeah, I always I always forget them. They're they're always on my GM cheat sheet, like as to where people crit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I just house ruled that because I kept getting them wrong. But yeah, lead light coat and a wide brim hat. You pretty much have a starter death marshal kit here. Yeah. Well, actually, I'd say you'd have a um, the Nephilim hunter. Oh yeah, an Ortega. Your mm, your Ortega, Ortega starting. Ortega starting. Dirty Ortega. <laughs> hey, and in the game, they're not doing so hot. Throw them a bone. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. But then, but then again, my my masters were. Um, Nicodem and Colodi, so I'm not throwing anyone any bones. Oh, oof. Ow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that sucks. I will I will say I'm sorry that happened to you. Mm. I mean they're both terrible, terrible people. Moving so on. I can't beat that <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, um Neverborn <laughs> Items is the next thing on our list. Also technically part of the equipment. Anything you want to point out? Um, so yeah, again, uh, a whole bunch of these very quasi-magical elements to um, uh, to the game is 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 awesome to see here. Um, you've got things like the pins and needles from like the voodoo dolls and the star and the like. You've got um, the the wisp lantern, which is like the willow wisp thing, and the artwork for it is amazing. It's like this willow wisp skull that's been desiccated, and this lantern's been jammed in its mouth. You know, stuff like that for me, like I said, is now. Opening up the magic world, I guess, to um, to the rest of the through the breach game. Also, Bandersnatch egg. Also, Bandersnatch egg. Because why not? You need those. <laughs> and everyone needs a Bandersnatch egg. Because you know what? I never considered that Bandersnatch had single eggs. I always imagined they'd have like egg sacks with like egg pouches. I mean, maybe they do, and this is just one that fell off. Disgusting. Yeah, everyone would think about like. Uh, an entire sack of Bandersnatch eggs bursting, and then millions of tiny Bandersnatches crawling up your arms. You're welcome. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, actually, no, the pins and needles. Pins and needles is really cool. Because you can, what, what pretty much it does is that it, it's like an in, it's an on tabletop effect. It's an in-game item that affects the tabletop. 
what it does is when you flip a card, you can just say, no, I pin that card. And then you just set it aside and you flip a new card for whatever duel you're doing. And then at some point, you can just take that card and say, I unpin it. That becomes my card for this flip. Which is always fantastic, especially when you've got stuff that manipulates decks like the uh, like the Breach Burn now. Ooh, yeah. And the, um, and the Wastrel. Yeah. Or what I'll use it for is whenever I'm doing something stupid and accidentally flip a 13 for, like, skipping rocks or a drinking contest or something. Uh, okay. Uh, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Plants. Lots of plants. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten plants. We finally get, like, an herbalist look at Malifaux. Hmm. Yeah, finally plants that aren't trying to eat you, but they pro- half of them will kill you, I think. Probably. Well, they all could potentially. Like, um, the Queen's Ire. Yeah, yeah, you could probably bring yourself out on that. There's there's one that just, just poisons you, good old-fashioned poison. One that makes you uh, fall asleep, one that boosts your uh, magical skill, but after you're done, you kind of have a hangover and you can't do magic very well. Um, you get rooted to the ground. Uh, clot moss. I guess the one I'm going to talk about is clot moss, because you we just talked about how freaking brutal bleeding out is. And what mm-hmm. clot moss does is it basically doubles the length of time it takes for you to gain more bleeding out. So... Sort of like bandaging, but every time someone's slowly dying and you need them to die slightly slower, uh, just grab some clot moss, summon it, because obviously you took summon Malaflora because you understand how great it is, and just pelt the man in clot moss and wait for the doctor to arrive. Look, look, as much as, as, much as you know, summoning pretty flowers are, are, are good for that, I mean, summoning a horse, for example, <laughs> to get them to the doctor quicker. Uh, you know, doctors have horses. They have horses now. Yeah. <laughs> Traveling horse doctors. No, I think I think I'm gonna go to the opposite of that. Instead of clot moss, I'm gonna talk about the bloodletting berries. <laughs> <laughs> um, each berry will heal one point of damage, but will give any living creature without black blood bleeding out. Oh god, which is hilarious. Just, just oh. it's it's. I mean, okay. So again, going back to like the whole ninja thing, you slip a couple of these into someone's tea, and oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Enjoy the next ten seconds of your life, like. <laughs> Oh, that's that's actually gonna be a pretty thick tea, but I guess so. I guess it requires a handful of berries for the effect to go off. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could make you could make a smoothie. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> murder someone with a smoothie, please. Someone out there playing through the breach, murder someone with a smoothie. I want, I want, I want to know what happened. Oh, oh, oh! You know what? You know what? You know what? You could you could make like a serial killer stalking the streets of Malifaux. He rides around in an ice cream van. He's just he is simply known as Shakes. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, <laughs> kills kills people with exotic uh, scoops of ice cream. Oh, actually, you know what would also work? Syrup. So murder pancakes. Oh, murder pancakes. There you go. Murder ice cream. Murder pancakes. Murder shakes. Murder smoothies. Basically, just don't trust anyone trying to give you sweets, like yeah. little children. I feel like that's an open thing that you should be doing in Malifaux. Like, do not accept sweets. From anyone <laughs> or anywhere. Uh, okay, uh, that's that's the plants down. They're they're they just have a lot of usefulness, and I sort of just want to sit down for an afternoon and write out a bunch of these that I want to be exist in the game for like you know um, player created content. Um, this book inspires a lot of that crap in me because it's introducing new things. I love it. 
Um, okay, before we get to the meats, we can talk about the bestiary real quick. Just things that we like. Uh, our named character, every every bestiary has a named character, which is usually like a a master or a henchman, usually a henchman. Um, but this is, in fact, an enforcer. And this is Klaus. Klaus Norwood, the happiest, happiest mimic around. Oh, yeah. No, Kla- uh, Klaus is great. You know what? I actually had my own version of Klaus for my own campaign. I, I don't I don't think it inspired the character, but, you know, I'm not saying it didn't. No, first thing about steam-powered scoundrels, you always take credit for everything. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so back in back last year during uh, Gen Con, um, I ran a game uh, on you know Four Weird, which I'd wrote about the Crossroads Seven and the like, and I I had a character that I used to use uh, when my players would get stuck, and I would have like a radio like start firing up, and this uh, this voice would come over and give them like news or or information that was pertinent to guide them on the right track. It was my Deus Ex Machina kind of character. And then uh, they released the Klaus Norwood character, I think around the same time or, or, or therein as I, as I was doing all the prep work, where it did fundamentally the same thing, where Klaus is a, a Neverborn mimic, but is a resource that the Fated are supposed to use when, you know, they, they get stuck or they need information and stuff. But he's a bit more hands-on. <laughs> I love who he is as a representative in the world as this is effectively your GM telling you, you know, you failed. You know, <laughs> just do harder, guys. Um, so for, for those of you that didn't read the augments that came out for Klaus, he's, he's, a, he's a mimic, but he's an information broker is his main thing. And he seems to find secrets that no one else is able to find, probably because he's a mimic. But... In a more vague sense, I'm really excited for creature for a character like this because it sort of represents that the fact that not all Neverborn are just out to kill humans or you know torture humans and then kill them mm. or just manipulate them, probably torture them and then probably kill them. Um, they're they're ones that are willing to work with people and they you know they still might be pretty shady. I mean, Klaus doesn't even have eyes, but. He just seems to be cool with, you know, trading secrets for secrets. He's not really quite out to screw someone, unless you want him to, because you're the Fate Master, go right ahead. But yeah, I, I like to toy with the idea of, like, s- s- slow, slow, slow integration between Neverborn and humans, because they're complicated. Both humans and Neverborn are complicated, and there's definitely going to be ones that are like, you know what, maybe don't kill them. You know why? Chocolate. <laughs> Someone's going to do that. Yeah. yeah Someone's got to do that. I, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, um, I think, um, I think, yeah, I think Klaus definitely, um, definitely does start that, that, that ball rolling. I mean, there are a couple of other little, little kind of nods now, like as of recent, the, um, called, um, like Barbaros, for example, is now an yes. outcast, which, um, you know, could potentially mean a whole bunch of different things. And, um, Hey, Redden for a, for a time was a resurrectionist as well. Mm-hmm. So Neverborn, you know, working with with non Neverborn is, I feel like, one of the basic premises that this book is now introducing and promoting. And Klaus is a great spearhead for that. Yes. Okay. Things in the bestiary that excite you. Uh, one vagabond shrub is absolutely adorable. Uh, I think that was another. Uh, no, they revealed that picture, but it's just cute. I just wanted to point out they have a cute little shrub. Less cute, or depending on who you are, are tooth fairies. 
Yeah, I, we, I'm calling them chub fairies. Yeah, they're little fat, multi-legged fairies that really do not look like they're aerodynamic whatsoever. That no. they, they they eat teeth. That's their thing. They eat teeth. And they teeth. have multiple. They have multiple rows of teeth um, that are human teeth. So think. Imagine if Shock had human teeth. That's kind of what you're looking at inside of like this chubby thing that looks like a thumb. <laughs> Don't, oh God, that mental image. I guess I, <laughs> I, I did the spider thing earlier, so it's my fault. There you go. Enjoy that. Okay, so so my my notable one. Okay, I'm not gonna go with puppets because puppets are like my favorite thing of all time. So yes, you know that that's definitely gonna be it. And uh, I'm not gonna be so vain as to say how much the lacquer days are like my mental image of how I look. Um, I'm I'm gonna definitely say, however, that my favorite is the uh, ancient constructs. For a number of big reasons. Oh, those things look gorgeous. I want them to be models. That is the first one. That's the first reason. Um, the second is it. Um, this book introduces a a faction that has yet been unexplored in the story, and that is the Aura. Yes. And uh, you know because. There were technologies in Malifaux, uh, the Nithera, the Kythera, etc., 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 and there was in this book now mention of a a race that that existed, uh, the uh, Oa Oa A U A. I don't know how to say it, but anyway, and um, they were a fallen civilization, and that's all we now know about them. So, as just as we were answered a whole bunch of questions about the Neverborn, we now have a whole bunch of new questions involving people we didn't even know were there. And and yeah, the the construct for me represents you know not only something that you'd really want as a model. It's so beautiful. It's like a robot with a human skull uh, motif for it. Um, but it's also got kind of like an old rusted Tin Man kind of vibe. It also you know opens up this whole relic of another age persona, and and I it just make it just inspires me to want to know more. And it's like when you find these these constructs in in the city or in the world, it means something, you know. Yeah, I almost want to make one of these as a playable character who has no <laughs> memories of itself, and then play that as a faded. Other things about the beast here, I like that they go into detail about hey. The, the Nephilim you see in the game is just scratching the surface. There is a lot of different varieties, and a lot mm. of times where that the whole growing up mechanic kind of goes awry, and they kind of screw it up. Also, the, the cave Nephilim is... The cavern Nephilim are freaking terrifying, and I don't ever want to see those things as models. Oh, yeah. But you know who I do want to see as a model? The goddamn <laughs> ancient Nephilim. Oh, yeah. It, it it reminds me of like the Canari from uh, Dragon Age, meets Diablo. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a character in the fluff. We'll, we'll get to that in the fluff thing that I'm pretty sure is like the basis for this artwork here. Maurice? No. Um, Caster. Ah, okay. I can see that. Yeah, that's, that makes that's pretty, sense. It's pretty much my mental image of Caster. Hmm. Or how, however you pronounce his name. Okay. Now, we will get to the thing that people are probably most excited about, so those of you reading the book, turn all the way back to practically the beginning. Or you gotta skip the fluff part, but we are on technically page 51, but we're not gonna get into the super-duper specifics of the character creation. Uh, Relatively similar, five cards that kind of come up with your stats, but you have additional cheat cards, 
you pull, and if you play those on top of cards that you were going that you flipped, you get some special rules. But um, you know, actually, I'll just let Michael sort of explain this if if he wants. Or otherwise, no, no, I can go into. No, I'd absolutely love to. I, I need yeah. the practice anyway. Yes. All right, so. As in the game of Malifaux, most of the time when you build a character for the first time, you are going to be performing what's called a tarot. In this book uh, from Nightmares, you are performing a bloodline tarot in which your characters develop not only their bloodline, which um, either can be chosen or flipped at random, you also then get to determine your physical stats, your skill stats, your mind stats, and then, of course, some more skills because you need them. In addition, you draw two cards. These two cards are called your Discordance cards and can be used to replace anything along the bloodline. However, doing so comes at great risk. If you do use one of your Discord cards, you gain a burden of madness and your character becomes tormented by the crazied condition. Now, as each time you flip one of your cards, you go to a reference table that will then give you not only the stats associated with that card, uh, but also a destiny step. Now, the destiny steps that you feel are uh, basically how your character will level up and how they will evolve, but we'll talk about that um, another time. For now, what we want to talk about is the unique element of this twist, uh, which is, of course, the uh, Bloodline Terror's Discordance cards. Now, when you gain a Burden of Madness, your character gains a Gift of Darkness. Uh, the Gift of Darkness is kind of like a general talent that is associated with whatever species of Neverborn you happen to be. Once you get to uh, the point where you've gained enough burdens of madness, your character leaves behind those semblances of, or, you know, semblances of sanity and, and lucidity <laughs> and abandons them for instead a more monstrous uh, attribute. The four different types of Neverborn that you can play, well, there are technically six, but we'll talk about the four, uh, are, of course, the Nephilim, which are, of course, your demon-like creatures, the Mimics, who are shape-changers who blend into society, the Woes, who are, of course, those who have shed their uh, physical form in order to try and survive uh, among the Neverborn. And, of course, the creatures from the realm of Nightmares, also named Nightmares. Now, every single one of these have bloodline talents and traits that are unique to them. But, in addition, there are a number of general talents uh, that these guys can take as part of their bloodline powers, ranging from uh, gaining Terrifying, which paralyzes people in their track, all the way through to uh, things such as the old ways where you get to use your connections to Malifaux to predict the future and the like. Right. So, pretty big difference than a lot of the other tarots because you're getting a lot of good stuff up front through the Gifts of Darkness that you wouldn't get from other characters. And I realize there's, there's some benefits to being an invested or being stitched and, I mean, there's no benefit to being a gremlin. No one likes you, so... <laughs> whatever. But, like, these things are just, like, out, out, outstandingly good. And I... Yeah, go ahead. Look, I, I'd be so far as to say, and this is this is with maybe a grain of salt, I think the Twisted are currently the most powerful thing to be in uh, through the Breach at the moment. Yes. Um, the Gift of Darkness is versatility and, and how much power you gain at level 1. I mean, look, in order, I would say that obviously the station is your foundation. It is the, the basis of where you come. Following which would probably be the Bayou. 
Playing Gremlins does have its challenges, um, which don't really get offset offset from a story perspective, but mechanically it does allow you to do a lot of really unique things because of the size difference. The next one would probably be the Into the Steam, playing one of the uh, Invested. Gaining cybernetics is something that you don't necessarily need to be an Invested to do, but, you know, you something you can pick up along the way. So it's, you know, okay, but neither here nor there. Uh, the under quarantine stuff is was up until this point probably the most powerful with undead being very very versatile as well as the many uh, powers that you have associated with the brush with death and the like uh, really kind of opening that up but with the twisted adding things from like freaking terrifying which is so powerful wings tons of eyes tendrils blood frenzies you know there are just so many uh, different things that they add to it that um, that just species-wise, I think the Twisted are heads and shoulders above most of the other ones. Yeah, I was I was looking at some of these, and oh, the builds you can make with not a whole ton of effort put into them is is. I, I will say this is all very very, except for maybe the mimics. This is primarily combat focused. Yes. So. Um, this is going to be a character that is going to be far and above better at combat than really anything else. But, I mean, they, they don't necessarily have any... D- I think the thing is they don't really have downsides. The Equipment costs a little more. Certain equipment costs more. And then you have the whole taboo about being, you know, a Neverborn. But a- any mm. sort of Fate Master is either going to say, no, we're not including Neverborn into this party because that's just going to be a big attention sink whenever someone finds out who you are. Or we're going to do an all Neverborn party. So it's not that necessarily bad of a thing. It just puts a bit of pressure on Fate Master to sort of figure out the balance. No, absolutely. I mean, my, my general rule of thumb always goes like this. You should not be comparing yourself to the other members of the group. In a lot of my Through the Breach games, people will swap out characters through the campaign. Characters will come and go. Some characters will be at, le- uh, you know, have no destiny steps and others will have like, 10 pursuits and 3 destiny steps. <laughs> the grand the grand truth here is is outside of your race, there is not actually that much difference between characters in Through the Breach. Not until you're looking at like 4 or 5 level of pursuit, right? And, and all that. And even then, you're still competitive. You're still able to play with everyone because the threshold's yeah. not too big. So as long as the players in your group agree not to sort of sit there and like kind of say oh how come he's hitting harder than i am or how come he's you know so much more stronger than i am as long as your players are pretty open with that and just happy that you know someone is just doing well then you won't have a problem but if you've got people who definitely have that competitive nature into them always like kind of decide if the game if this book is appropriate for that particular table indeed (laughs) um yes I i don't think i have anything else to add to that but through the breach, through the breach is very easy to break. Oh yeah, um, have you? Have you I, I imagine that you you you're well and truly above the whole speed stat for life. Uh, what? I've never heard that. Speed stat for life. Oh man, speed stat. Fuck. Okay, well, speed stat. Okay, let me explain to you this. Speed is used for your attack and your defense if you're a martial artist. Yes. In addition, you can make multiple attacks through speed by taking the martial art triggers. Meaning the frequency that you hit is high, 
while at the same time improving the frequency of you dodging attacks, which you can also then improve the number of attacks that you make. It's basically, like, no other stat in this game has as much tied to the one thing of being good in combat as speed does. Like, there's no point in being a pugilist, because if you're being a pugilist, you have to put ranks in speed in order to boost your defense, as well as your pu- your might and your pugilism. Right? Uh, Same thing with your melee. Same thing with all the other things, whereas speed's the only thing that does everything simultaneously. I guess, but then you're also just, like, wholly tied to martial arts and only martial arts. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, again, when you're in melee, you can... It's, it like, I think uh, a friend of mine made a a martial artist with a, with uh, an invested and he had a and he had a robot arm yeah and um a, i think he also had like robot legs or something and he took like the steam powered charge <laughs> and um and when he hit something he did um he he always got rams on his flip no he took a torakage rank that's right and so he always flipped rams which meant that when he charged he got a free attack on top of his attack and then on that first attack after he got the trigger he then got to make another attack automatically so in a single charge he hit like three times that sounds like vaguely like victoria's infiltrator that got seven i think one time a turn yeah yeah some nonsense like that and and merely that was like all t- turn one was absolute nonsense and then she needed rescuing <laughs> um <laughs> like me personally i created a relatively broken melee build with another with another invested of all things pretty much just be- just because you can take a rail hammer and give it the enlarged characteristic and that's still pretty darn cheap and now you're swinging at a severe nine. Oh yeah okay let's do we do we want to talk about any of the guests i i kind of don't because one they're fun surprises and two we'd be here forever Look, I would I will say this. Um, while those four are primarily the ones that you can choose from, there is options for you to play a half blood, which is mm-hmm. now expanded on, which is great because even in the uh, even in the core rule book, there's talk about like the black blood and the black blood sickness, and the book covers that as well as how to play a um, a half blooded character, which I think is good. Uh, the second is we'll we'll kind of talk a little bit more in the pursuit. But there is obviously also a way to play puppets as well, which um, I think is also very cool. So even though there are just, quote-unquote, four options here, there are actually closer to six. Yep. Other thing I will note, I had, I had hinted about it before, so I figured I'd bring it back. There's a general Neverborn gift of darkness called Shifting Blood, which says, if you have three gifts of darkness, you can take this. It adds the crow into your enchanting magia. So, so you know, sorry. Like, every... Magical school, magical college has a pursuit that gives the suit specific to that school onto the skill, like pursuit step three, uh, which you wouldn't have been able to get with uh, Twisted because the thing for enchanting is the mage, right? And that gives a ram, not a crow. But here you can still get that crow for your enchanting. Um, so yay on that. Okay, let's 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 move on. We we talked about pursuits a little bit hinted about pursuits let's go down the pursuits yeah. people oh, yeah. are we, excited about pursuits oh yeah pursuits, so excited. pursuits pursuits yeah you go ahead and take the first one okay so the first one here is the boogeyman now the boogeyman stalks and watches from the shadows and uh is able to exact vicious murderous revenge on anyone who crosses their path 
in the beta test, it was very much like a neighborhood serial killer kind of vibe, but they kind of changed it up and made it literally like one of the best hunters in the game. <laughs> By selecting a particular target, you may stalk your prey, get a ton of benefits to basically frighten them into submission, uh, giving yourself even more bonuses before basically executing them. It is a assassin through and through, and uh, is a very, very cool, um, very, very cool little pursuit. I like how we finally can play as a, a Seamus knockoff if we really wanted to. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The uh, probably the most notable thing uh, about this uh, particular character is its calling card. Um, you don't get it until uh, I think tier rank ten. Ten, yeah. So it's the yep. oh, well, it's the ten one. Uh, the where you create your own urban legend, and um, after you damage a creature that has a uh, frightened condition of thirteen or more, they're immediately killed. E- dang, yeah. And there's there are ways to just sort of farm frighten onto them if you have time to sort of stalk them and toy with your uh, with your prey here. You can get that frightened on them before you all the way up to thirteen before you even start combat. Yeah. I will say, like, they, they talk about how you can use the pursuits in different ways, and that not all of them are specific to, like, bl- blind murdering and whatnot. Someone brought this up in in the forums, but this is this really is befitting of, like, a Batman vigilante-type character as well. They're like, oh, Batman doesn't kill. Any any fate master worth their soul can say, you know what, all these things that say straight-up kill the model, just incapacitate them instead. There, done. Boom. Oh, yeah. And I mean the um, the big thing here is that um, that even if you do frighten someone um, to to a particular point, it can potentially just be a um, what do you call it? You can potentially use it as a means to end a combat by saying that yeah, this person is just so frightened he just falls down and passes out. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Ba-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, so yeah, that is the uh, that is the boogeyman. Okay, next up we have the Harrowed, um, possibly my favorite pursuit in this book, just because it's kind of on the other side of the Boogeyman and a lot of other pursuits. It's pretty much the nice guy pursuit. It is someone that has devoted themselves to protecting and caring for others so much that it has manifested itself into powers for them. And, like, the Step Zero thing is even really good. It's just a... It's just a uh, zero cost action that boosts everyone else's flips by plus one for um, the rest of the turn. But yeah, it's a support role. It's something that I don't think you would want to go into and just stick with Harrowed and nothing else. You want to flare it up with other pursuits. But uh, what was what was the really exciting one? Uh, I think Refuge. Like this is such a weird step ten thing to have. Not not weird in a bad way, just different. Whereas instead of, like, I don't know, blowing up a building or something, it's just like, hey, you can create a safe space that no one can enter or harass you, and the people that rest there gain benefits a lot faster than they would elsewhere. Like, uh, I think you could just use it to remove crazy. Just just straight Uh, up remove crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. Especially since how hard it is to get rid of crazy. Okay, ah, dang it, we're going back and forth. You get to talk about the Manifestor. That makes me mad. Oh, man, yep, I uh, I love the Manifestor. Holy crap. Like, um, like anything that is able to conjure things from your imagination is, like, literally the, the realm of the, the D&D world. 
And the manifestor is so capable of it. Not only do you start by being able to create a, um, an imaginary friend who, by the by, is, uh, any, is based on any peon or minion in the game. That is to say, you can pick one and then just manifest an ev- imaginary version of that minion. Which I think is just awesome. And they also are incorporeal because they're imaginary. Uh, they don't last very long. So, you know, obviously you have to kind of, use, uh, well, you don't have to use it sparingly, but you have to kind of, you know, pick and choose your fights. But then as uh, the game goes on, you create portals and gateways to be able to travel between locations. You are able to manifest literally solid matter out of nothing uh, until eventually you get to the point where you bend reality and um, can, through a, uh, through a single card flip, basically create an inanimate object out of thin air, including things like fully loaded pistols or an uncharged soul stone or a key, etc. Or a door. Or door, you know, like literally, it la- and it lasts for like um, ten minutes plus a minute for every rank in prestidigitation you have. So these things can actually last a fair while as well, uh, or at least long enough for you to be able to really get to use it. Yeah, oh, it's just it's one of those ones where like the more creative of a player you are, the more you're going to get out of this. Yep. I will note a couple things here. The the you know summon a friend thing is on step three. And the other option for step three is a thing we've been waiting for for ever. And this is the one that lets you add mass to prestidigitation skill. Hooray! Mm-hmm. And I was a bit worried because this um, pursuit reads as like a summoner type thing. And you can you can work into that, but you don't necessarily have to. But I was afraid that if I was going to play a very tricksy prestidigitation-based character, I would have to start taking talents in like summoning stuff that i didn't want i just honestly if i wanted to just dig for that mask i can without picking up anything involving summoning the stuff before step three is all just general helps you with prestidigitation thing i think one lets you just pick up you like and staple on an immuta to a spell that you didn't necessarily have before and the other one i think lets you just pick up a, a single magia for the session which it's just generally useful. It is. It's. It's. It. Yeah. There's. There's lots of like uses for this. Uh, this particular spellcastery kind of character. Um, and yeah. No. It's. Uh, although, if you were trying to try and uh, get a um, a suit for a spellcasting, I would definitely recommend the talent. Um, <laughs> as opposed to as opposed to uh, taking three three pursuits of it. Though you might get three pursuits of it faster than you'd get some talents. Yes. In 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 a party of four, if you're going like one per player, that's eight sessions possibly before you get your second step. Whereas you know only, you only need three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you want a really really cool uh, trigger and you want to build that trigger in, then you can just stack uh, the other suit you want onto it. Still useful. Okay, moving on. The cutthroat, which is. I want to say it's a slight mix of two ideas. One is the sort of, like, duelist, fencer-type, uh, gentlemanly sword. Maybe kind of like a swashbuckler thing. And the other thing is that it's it's sort of the premier dual-wielding pursuit in the game now. It has benefits for both of those things. Like, uh, the, the step zero thing you get gives you a benefit if you are engaged with exactly one other uh, character. But... Like this, it is it is more options for a person that wants to hurt things. 
close by besides Scrapper and other like very very niche or specific pursuits. It's it's kind of a general one. Not not general as in bad, but like it gives a lot of stuff without like ruining the flavor of a character specifically. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. I was gonna say I I I, I agree. I I'm gonna I'm gonna dig in here with my little things. Do you remember what I said about um about the the speed gaming? Yes. So this here was one of the things that I I definitely was not a fan of. Okay. Because it coordinates even more of my feelings towards it because uh, the one-on-one duel has that if the characters engage with one character, you resolve combat and you get a plus one to your final duel total. Then as a separate ability, which is still in the same ability, when making a melee pugilism martial arts attack, you may substitute grace, might, or speed when calculating your acting value. Guess which one no longer makes <laughs> sense to uh, to not select? Add speed. Because if you're now doing speed with the cutthroat, um, at any point in time, you can just use melee attacks or pugilism with speed. And um, you're also boosting up your, your defensive rating as well as your attack rating. It's like the one thing, the only like downside is that I don't think speed covers any of the skills. It covers, uh, well, it used to cover martial... Yeah, it used to cover... Yeah, well, it's it's evaded martial arts. Okay. Just a, a slight trade-off, because, like, you had Flick of the Wrist with Grace, so you could do a Grace build for a melee fighter mm. before this, and Grace covers a decent more amount of spells. So I still think it's a bit of a trade-off. Um, I mean, if you want to go into, like, a f- combat-focused character, great, but, like, if they're throwing other things at you, you aren't going to be very useful in, like, I don't know, Masquerade, or... Oh, you, oh you'd have... No, you'd have tons, because the thing is, is, again, um, because you'd be focusing on the one thing, you wouldn't necessarily need... So what you would do is you'd be spending your resources between Might and Grace, let, presuming you're not using Speed, and Speed as well if you want to boost up your defense. So it's actually dividing it up, whereas what you could then do is you could boost up your Resilience and Speed, uh, and that would be fine. And might and grace become inconsequential. And if you wish to, you can actually boost up the raw skills uh, versus the primary statistics. And then the higher you boost up your speed, it's going to uh, it's going to basically make that whole area in combat focused on one area that you need to improve. Okay. It's all about the leveling up, less than the character building or character creation. All right. I mean, I was still still talking about non combat dramatic time oh yeah, yeah but what, what you do with all the the remaining stuff is to focus about the all the stuff that you're no longer spending on dividing all that stuff up you spend on boosting up the the other aspects of the not the non-combat side of things but the cutthroat is a very specific um okay anyways cutthroat generalist duelist uh flinning all over the place uh breach burns okay you get the fun ones <laughs> well, look, I, I, I'll say this. I, I like the Breach Burn. It, it is such a unique class. It is one that allows you to be able to reconfigure and attune your uh, twist deck to be able to uh, allow you more uh, versatility in what you actually get to play as your Hand of Fate. Uh, as you are, obviously, um, working through the game, you actually are able to create a small, uh, almost like a side deck of cards that you can then play on either the top or the bottom of your twist deck to give yourself additional effects. Um, one of the first abilities that uh, that you can get is Sight in the Two Worlds, which is you draw the top card of your twist deck and choose to either remove it entirely from the game for the session or place it back into the twist deck. 
by this you can actually mill and keep your deck, the, your twist deck, with high numbers. Uh, or alternatively, you can uh, use it to boost and uh, alter your stats by milling cards and boosting up your target numbers. I think stuff like this works super well with things like the Wastrel, who also has an ability or has their hand <laughs> in the twist deck as well, um, as well as the Fate deck, like being able to sort of put cards out of play and um, being able to also put cards aside and let anyone be able to utilize them, I think is a marriage of two very, very happy um, happy deck deck manipulators. If you go up to 10 ranks of Breach Burn, that's, that's a potential twist hand of, what, 7? Yes. Ah. Uh, nuts to be to be fair there isn't like a lot of in-game abilities and presence it is almost entirely based around pulling cards out of your twist hand to use later and then using those cards for certain things i mean there's a little bit of like damage models here and mess with uh really it's just mostly messing with flips i think so it's another one of those supplemental pursuits where you're not gonna get a lot of combat potential out of them or um, other things. Um, but yeah, definitely like a, a hand of seven regardless is going to be nuts, even if you don't lock any of those cards away for the main mechanic of this pursuit. Hmm. Yep, I mean, uh, and also keeping in mind, again, um, with with having your, your, your twist deck, there are only 13 cards in a twist deck. Yes. So seven out of 13 is over half of it being in your hand at any given time. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I think Breachburn Breachburn is a name that doesn't conjure conjure up what you're really thinking. And this is more like this is kind of a Zoraida type pursuit, really messing with fate in a sort of plucking plucking the strings kind of a thing. Mm. No, yes, absolutely. No? Okay. <laughs> Next up, Behemoth. I'm glad we finally got this guy. Been waiting for like a big bruiser type pursuit to have a lot of fun with. Also, uh, one complaint, weird. Uh, these used to be in alphabetical order. What gives? <laughs> uh, actually, I'm not sure if that, that's been the case with, with all of them, but I just noticed it. It's like, Behemoth is right next to Painkiller and after Breachburn, so... What, what? Okay, so Behemoth. It's, it's the big bruiser. Uh, focused on heavy melee and taking a whole bunch of damage. Um, there's some some good stuff in here. Step zero is all right. It 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 works with the impose action, so it kind of has this synergy with the guard pursuit from the core rulebook. But I think like the big great thing here is is walking fortress. Although you could take regeneration instead, but I think walking fortress is one of the ones where you're like, oh, this is what we're doing. It's a step three benefit and it says increase this character's wounds by plus two any other time this character would permanently increase her wound statistic via talent she gains an additional plus one wounds you can start farming like a lot of wounds on these characters if you just start dedicating a decent amount of general talents to that one that's like oh gain two when you take this and then gain one after you take this again now you're gaining three and then two after that that's just a bucket of wounds um, anything, any other things? Oh, Siege Engine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, God, yes. This is, you can finally be the Kool-Aid Man. It will let you just plow through walls or barricades or anything else if you beat a target number check, which sounds like a ton of fun. 
And uh, in addition, you can also knock people prone. So if you have that flensing blade... (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Bam! You're prone! Take this! Jesus. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's heave. You just throw someone. You can finally just yeet someone. Great. Yep. (laughs) Because throwing people is a tradition steeped down from Dungeons & Dragons since the old yesteryear, and someone made a small character. (laughs) Okay. Last? I think this is the last one. Uh, yeah, the last of the basic pursuits is the painkiller. Uh, the painkiller is your masochist, someone who loves receiving pain. The more damage that they take, the more injuries that they accrue, the stronger they end up getting. Um, the flesh wound ability is awesome, where you suffer severe damage and you gain focus, um, which is awesome. And if you are below half health, you do not end the focus condition of you on the end of your turns. So you just hang on to that. Um, and then as you get closer, um, you get things like red out where if you're lower than half hit points, you get bonus flips on all attack and damage flips. And, uh, the, the final ability, which I think is really, really cool is, uh, after being reduced, uh, reduced to below negative five wounds, you gain reactivate and then, uh, continue to gain reactivate until you are restored to above negative five wounds. So that means every single act, every single turn, you are taking two full turns every single round. It, it's beautiful. Oh yeah, there is just you are just a deadly, deadly machine. Uh, the more you get injured, which you know, uh, especially if you have something like the Behemoth, where you've got like really, really high wounds, and then lower than half your hit points really means like nothing. <laughs> Congratulations, you still have an entire character's worth of wounds to get through before I hit zero. Yeah, yeah, then I've got positive flips on everything, so enjoy getting uh, getting the, the ever-living heck knocked out of you. You get smushed. Uh, we, we allow swearing, go go right ahead if you want. Oh, that's okay, I'm Australian, you don't want to open that door. Uh, I've, I, some of my best friends are Australian, so I could... Oh, it's fine, it's fine. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I Look, I work with kids... So, oh yeah, um, okay. That's good practice. That's good practice. I yeah. I have kids, and I've I probably need to police myself better. But yeah, no. Uh, while some of these some of these are very like good generic ones that doesn't like elicit a too big of a thing. Painkiller is one of those ones where it's like, hey, this is welcome. Welcome to Malfo. This is such a Malfo and through the breach pursuit. It's it's nuts. I'm gonna put it up there with like it's it's like the same sort of giddiness that hey this is just how this universe works is like uh forgotten oh yeah i like i love talking about forgotten and and you know what you know what the um the the other thing about the painkiller that's really really cool is that uh you only need one rank in it you don't even need a rank in it the level zero ability that makes your unconsciousness challenge a tn negative three so you've got like uh you've only got you've only got to get a seven to stay conscious when you hit below zero Oh yes! Oh, that is so good. Ugh, I mean, yeah, that's an auto pass for some advanced characters. That is, that is very much so. Okay, speaking of advanced, hey, advanced pursuits. There's a, there's a. Okay, the 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 puppet one doesn't count. So there's five, which I th- still think is a little bit more Prejudice. than what they normally have. It's not an advanced pursuit. It's a monster pursuit. But They're still, different. I mean, it look. It, what what section is it in? Advanced pursuits because so it's, it's, t- <laughs> it's tied to the puppeteer. You know this. I do. I do. Okay. Do you want to take Neverborn Hunter? Or do you want me to? Um. Hold on. Let me calculate something. 
Okay. Oh yeah. No. Which one? Which one do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the puppets. I'll talk about the shaman. Uh, okay. 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 I'm going to talk about the Neverborn Hunter. Hey, uh, you hate Neverborn? You you take this advanced pursuit. Uh, basically, you just have to kind of hunt a bunch of Neverborn in the presence of someone that would be technically teaching you how to hunt them, which is not that difficult to do. But you pretty much select one of the four main Neverborn races and say, "Hey, I'm I'm really good at killing you." Uh, run away. And and by, by I do generally mean run away, because I think when you get to... St- so yeah, no, uh, step five will actually start giving you terrifying towards that particular species. So once you elect your prey, you gain a benefit, depending on what that prey is, mostly just towards fighting them, like uh, reduce damage from black blood, or it helps you against willpower duels, against woes, uh, stuff like that. So... This they 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 did a good job of trying to sort of wind this back into being hey even if you are a neverborn you can take this advanced pursuit it's fine they've been fighting each other for a long long time and there's just a lot of bad blood and hatred that's been sitting there forever so anyone can take it including you twisted characters in fact the artwork I believe is a mimic. I don't know I, yeah I would say that's probably a mimic uh, also a character I definitely want in the game somewhere. Just that entire artwork as as a sculpt. I want to give it to me, please. With the the mature Nephilim uh, on being stabbed in the head. Yes, with the wanted poster. Yes. Oh, they also have they also have Tuco on here, so I'm assuming they're implying Tuco's also. Well, I guess he's an Ortega, so that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of, there is actually no. Uh, I believe there's no Nephilim Hunter pursuit in um, through the breach. Uh, up until this point, so now you now you can actually make a Nephilim Hunter. There was actual- yes and no. I believe there was already some kind of Monster Hunter pursuit in in Defense of Innocence, but that was the only location. Oh yes, yes, yes. There was the Monster Hunter, but you know, and I this mean, is I, th- I believe yeah. this is a lot better, if I recall. Yes. Them. Way, 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 way better. <laughs> um, all right. The next one up is, of course, the Black Blood Shaman. Now these. I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I don't think you can be anything except a a, uh, a full Nephilim. Nephilim. Yes. Half-Blood and any other who are expressly created cannot become a Black Blood Shaman. So literally it's only an, a Nephilim-only um, advanced talent. There is a number of things that you can do here in order to become one. You gain a ability called uh, Master of the Black Blood where you can gr- uh, you gain a trigger on your magic abilities in close combat. Where um, if your target has black blood, you can remove the top three uh, twist cards from their deck to grow or mature them, which is actually interesting because through the breach is uh, based on the second edition of Malifaux, and in third edition they introduced the idea of these grow tokens, which allowed them to evolve. So this I think is kind of like a little nod to that, and a little like you know like yeah cool I'm gonna cast this spell on this little teratot, and now the teratot's just <laughs> and transformed. <laughs> Which is very cool. You then also have uh, the mutations that advance the black blood sickness, as well as to transform those who are uh, suffering from it. This, I think, is really cool um, because you can definitely play around with it if you are playing in a Neverborn game uh, to try and like coax people into like giving you information. Because yeah, otherwise you can turn them into an ally and make them <laughs> make them tell you. And if you take that one uh, magical theory, you can just start dumping damage off onto them. Yeah, yeah. 
then you have Massacre, which gives you the uh, the Dark Wind mass- manifest power. Remove the top card of your twist deck or suffer two damage. And all Nephilim and Half-Blood within range you gain fast. So, um, yeah, there's that. <laughs> uh, and then all, at the same time, all non-Nephilims must evade or take two, three, four damage, which is, you know, damn, damn cool. Like being able to yes. do like both d- attack and damage, uh, sorry, attack and buff at the same time. But the, uh, the, 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 the cherry on top of this particular class, uh, apart from it obviously having massive support for Nephilim characters, is, um, the last word of the tyrant, which is beastie. Uh, it has a big ass TN of 17 of mask, but you remove the top five cards of your twist deck, and uh, one target within range takes six, seven, or eight irreducible <laughs> damage. <laughs> and then all characters within three yards suffer half of that amount, which can be reduced. Uh, in addition, the trigger is, is after suffering damage, the target must make a centering check before casting spells, and if they fail, they suffer two damage and cannot use the spell for the remainder of the round. So Damn. it is literally like this, just this nuke, this anti-spellcasting nuke that they just point and they go, yeah, you know, you, explode. Die. Yeah. It's not very even f- resisted. Oh my god. No, no willpower, no no, no nothing. Just, just enjoy it. Now this is balanced out, and this is their 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 mechanic is is really interesting. Actually, they just have a thing where to get their good abilities, they have to remove cards from their twist deck. They only have thirteen in there, so there's just a, only a small amount of things they can do. And this nuke takes out five cards, so you can at most do it twice in a session. Correct. So there's limitations to it, and also. Uh, it would really suck if you took that one talent a couple times that actually removes cards from your fate deck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Breach Burn, for example, might not work too well with, with this particular pursuit if you are looking yes. at... Because even if the cards are in your hand, you simply cannot remove the five cards from your twist deck, and thus you can't use it. Yep. Thing to note. Yep. That is the Shaman. And I understand that restriction because this is focused a lot around the grow mechanic, and to be focused around the grow mechanic, you need things to grow, which are only Nephilim. Mm. Okay, Primordial. This is interesting. You basically become a force of nature. Um, you pick a sort of a, a biome that you will call your home, and you gain benefits while within that. I think, like, uh, first step is Regeneration 2, if you're in that uh, specific environment. And then you start gaining special abilities. De- again, depending on the environment, there's a lot of flexibility here. To a point where you start, s- you basically designate a legendary beast that you get to summon to do the fighting for you if you want. And that's not even the best part. The best part is at the end, you basically become immortal. You flip a card, and if it's not the Black Joker, you basically go and hide and regenerate for a month, and then you come back. Voila. Uh, anything else you want to put in about the Primordial? Um, it's, uh, a, it's, sort, it's sort of like the closest thing you can get to being a fae without being a fae. Mm, I agree, I agree. Um, I'm very interested in the uh, the choice of the um, the Fire Gaiman as a uh, in, the, in the artwork for the actual picture. I'm like, well, okay, you get to you get to summon these creatures, but I mean, the ice gaiman and all that. I mean, how does that work with things like the summon gaiman ability? And can you control them off people if you were to use 
special abilities that some of the Arcanists get. Okay. I think that actually might be specific to the aspect of the land thing, mm. where you can take abilities that certain models, uh, characters have from that particular biome. So Badlands, being, you know, sunny, hot, uh, wasteland, uh, have the Fire Gammon listed as an option, so you could take abilities from Fire Gammon to give to yourself. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay, I guess that I guess that kind of makes sense. But, like, yeah. No, 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 that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. I'm helping. I, you're helping, you're helping. I think, <laughs> so, So here, yeah, so I think, um, I think the big thing there is, is, like, um, whether or not you could play a Fire Golem summoning Gammon. I... Yeah, why not? I mean, like, that's it's it is a thing where like I think you just need to flex a little bit and talk to your fate master. But I would allow it if you somehow like a volcano primordial. Yeah, like, you know what? Malifaux needs more volcanoes. Get on that weird. Yes. Yeah. Start start one just at the at the top. Rasputina's like hot spring just overloads and <laughs> bam. Just blow up the bayou. No one cares about gremlins. Yeah. No. I. uh, Yeah. I think the primordial is uh, is an interesting thing, and I think uh, it'll be very cool to see a lot of the autumn um, court spellcastery kind of characters using a lot of that. Yeah. Okay. Now you can talk about puppeteer. I'll allow you. Yay! Uh, so <laughs> so puppets are awesome. Get this book and read it. Puppets are just so cool. Uh, no. Uh, okay. So so puppets. Uh, the puppeteer is is really great because the puppeteer is uh, effectively a a controller class for specifically. Uh, puppets. Uh, they have invisible strings that they can use in order to manipulate them or to tie up other people, which they can use... Any creature that has the doll characteristic within three yards may make an opposing willpower duel, meaning that if you're battling with, like, a Bunraku or a marionette or something, you can seize control of it. Uh, in addition, if you don't have a friend, you can make one, and you can uh, use a, uh, you know, kind of your skills at crafting in order to make... Uh, make the dolls and control them for you. As you go through uh, throughout, you are able to just take more actions that are separated between you and the puppet, uh, which is the essence of any good summoner. Uh, and this is just absolutely awesome. Um, when you have close quarter combat with your dolls, they all have the gang up ability, which is uh, whenever they flip a mask, they deal an extra one damage for every friendly character with this trigger within one yard of your target equal to a maximum of two. Which, yeah, you just gang up on people. <laughs> um, the the whirling threads you can actually use in order to um, create an ensemble and uh, to avoid your threads from crossing over each other. When the character uses the order action for the first time during their turn, you can target multiple subordinates instead of one. So you just become better at controlling them. Then, uh, introducing just a bit of consciousness, your subordinate character does not receive an order. It can still act as though it had one AP. And um, strange music, dull subordinate characters uh, gain a positive flip so that, they, to they, uh, that they make and always count as being crazy because that condition is always, you know, is always a good thing. <laughs> you can turn it into armor. Yeah, but well, <laughs> you can turn it into armor. Um, so yeah, eventually, as you go, the um, these puppets begin to take a life on them, their own, which of course brings us to the uh, headliner. I'll, I'll let you go with that one as well because they're right. pretty much the same thing. And they you love puppets. So they, I love puppets, right? So 
So now, um, puppets and malafoe. So if you want to be a puppeteer, that can go to anyone. That can be anyone's pursuit. But if you want to, you can also play a puppet character. Puppet characters are made by GM uh, of Fate Master Discretion, and uh, it basically starts with you making a standard character and then gaining the I am real ability from this pursuit, which fundamentally says um, you gain skills as normal, you select pursuits as normal. It It's just basically a, yeah, you're a, you're a person. You're, you're a person. You're a real I'm boy. I'm a person. I'm going to be a puppet. You're a puppet. You're a real boy. I'm a real boy. It's cyclical. Uh, yeah. Um, however, in the out, in outside of that, the headliner is something that uh, goes in uh, in order to boost up your dolls. So instead of taking a uh, pursuit as you would uh, normally, you would instead um, take the this pursuit and apply it directly to the puppet. Uh, so the abilities are star of the show, which um, give you uh, when you gain this talent, you increase three aspects by one. The rank value also increases by two to a maximum of eight. Damn. Yeah. So they just become tough, which is fine uh, because they're actually pretty weak on their own without any boosts. Um, the I am real thing, which uh, you don't really have because you'd lose the just a bit of consciousness uh, talent. It gives you basically acting values and skills. So your um, your construct can actually do things now and can actually uh, act more or less independently, which is why that goes directly into making fated characters. Bobble upgrades, you gain massive bonuses, uh, you can get uh, negative flips on attack actions that apply conditions, you can educate and entertain, you can choose the talent and gain bonuses to your mental aspects, uh, you can basically choose what upgrades this character has throughout. I'm not going to go through all the options because there, <laughs> there are quite a few of them, uh, but the, my favorite one easily is uh, no strings on me. Uh, there was a time where your character bound to the will of others. No more. This character automatically passes all willpower duels. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's disgusting. Yep. I love it. Terrifying. Forget about it. What's that? You want to cast spells of mind control? Pfft. Move on, son. I'm a puppet. And there ain't no strings on me. <laughs> you seem excited. I am. I'm so excited to play a puppet. Like, you have no idea. Like, I've wanted to play a puppet since, like, the first book made mention of the fact that there were puppets. And then I was like, but then the puppets aren't, aren't, aren't on this list. And then I, 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 I got told, like, yeah, no, you can, you can make them, but just you have to do it this way. And now that's literally the next character I'm playing is a puppet. Yay. So you've been waiting for this supplement forever then. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. Um, like I said, my first army that I bought when I got into Malifaux were the Crossroads 7 and Kaloti. And, um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, of playing, like, control masters, especially ones themed after, like, creepy puppets. <laughs> I like how they, they, they double down. I don't want to say double down, but they said, hey, you know, you just can't be a normal person and be a, a puppeteer. You gotta be a little disturbed. And nothing reflects that more than, like, the Step 5 thing where you just permanently gain crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, any normal person would probably just get into, like, artifacting and making constructs and whatnot. But for some reason, you really, really like puppets. Oh, yeah. You, you, you're you just so into it. <laughs> and, uh, yep, you've just always got crazy. Which cannot be reduced to zero. Which technically means you've always got armor. Yeah, if you take that one talent. Hooray. And then any, okay. anytime you flip a red or a black joker, you gain more crazy. 
Oh, joy. Joy. You're just going to be just the life of the party. Okay. Last but not least, The Supplicant of Autumn. This is sort of if people... People, I think some people want to play fey characters, and you can't you can't really be one. And this is the closest thing, and this is more or less you pledging yourself to the Autumn Queen, to Tanya, and because of this, you gain many, many sort of blessings. Um, just a long string of them. Weirdly enough, uh, this per, uh, advanced pursuit goes up to step ten if you want it to, but that will let you pick up blessings from. They, they kind of do this this seasons thing so you start off ability call that the letting stone gives you some benefits and then you go to path of winter path of spring path of summer path of autumn and then i think you just start the cycle back over again if i recall correctly um, our, our winding path lets you just go to any of those lists and pick something new yeah so you don't have to go in in order but you can go back and continue to get that second boost from each of them yeah, so this basically makes you an Autumn Knight, and you can uh, once you get one from each of the paths, you can sort of focus in winter or summer or spring. Each has their own different kind of flavor, obviously winter being kind of cold and slightly defensive, um, stuff like that. I, I'm i not going to go through each of the benefits, this is actually a relatively long pursuit to mm. look pu- into. Yeah, the Puppeteer and the Autumn Knight were, uh, are just very, very crunchy, but... The cool thing is, is that it, like, what you do with it, definitely, it, it follow. so, the way pursuits work is that I, it encourages multi-classing so strongly in this game, yes. you don't need to take everything in the Autumn Night, right? And that's the important thing. You, you, you really only need to take what you need, and then you can move on to a different pursuit or move on to the next thing. Um, yeah. And there's just so much that you can do here. As an all-rounder, it's a great one. And um, the order that they do it in, which is um, the defensive, then the regeneration, then summer was uh, speed, and then autumn is uh, spellcasting, it gives you a little bit. And it stops at spellcasting, meaning that if you looked at, like, say, combat stuff, you get the combat stuff. If you want to look at the spellcasting stuff, you get to the end, but now your character is pretty hardy and durable. And then you can go back into it and get even more spellcasting <laughs> kind of abilities and then call it a day. You don't need to get to all ten ranks of that to really get the most out of it. Yeah. Okay. I think I think that's good. I think we covered everything in the book pretty well. The crunch, anyways. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Or we can kind of wrap it up here. Well... Okay, so I, I think just a, just a over, uh, an overview, should I say, of... Um, oh, yeah. Of, of of this whole thing, I think I think from Nightmares is by far the best uh, expansion that has been released for Through the Breach so far. Uh, I know I've said a lot about power gaming and about like you know the the the, the very heavy the very heavy hand that's being put towards combat and the like, and and you've said the same thing like you know Neverborn are very combaty. I think one of the toughest things that any Fate Master is going to find is getting to be able to use these at a table without making the entire campaign about the one or two um, twisted characters that they're going to play. It does take a bit of finesse, and it will take a lot of creativity. But the thing is, is that there's plenty of stuff within the book that allows for people to blend in. Um, Mm -hmm. Just don't make... uh, Just tell your players to not be stupid about it. 
Like, if you turn around and tell me that you're playing a, a Nephilim behemoth with wall of muscle, and I've told you that we're playing an infiltration game where you guys are sneaking in to, uh, to like, guild headquarters to steal some documents, right? I will tell that character, like, yeah, look, just pre- be prepared to, you know, die in, like, the first few minutes, right? Because, because you know that's the that's the point of what we, we what we what through the breach is all about is the fate master at the start of every game tells you what you what to expect right, and if you don't use that to your advantage if you kind of you know knowingly go well my character is this and this is what I'm going to do, then you know that means you have also subscribed to the consequences of <laughs> said thing. Best of luck. Best of luck. But um, but that being said, there is lots of stuff you can do. Um, mimics blend in almost seamlessly. They're probably going to be the most effective use of any kind of, um, what do you call it, uh, of any kind of twisted character, as well as the half-bloods. Um, the Nephilim definitely can sneak in. Uh, the woes and the nightmares might need a little bit of tweaking and twiddling. But, you you know, just as much as we're looking at how the Neverborn have started to work with humans, there's no reason why you couldn't look at the same thing as humans starting to work with Neverborn. I, for one, have a setting in my my version of the quarantine zone called the Tequila Mockingbird. It is a <laughs> um, it is a mercenary outpost where it, they don't judge you based on what your race is, and you just get jobs that people need. So even high society guild people will send people here and say, "Hey, we need to deal with the undead. Go find a resurrectionist to come and help us out." You know, and they will, you know, and everything's kind of under the table and, and stuff. So there are ways that you can make Neverborn work. You just got to be creative about it. Yeah. Uh, well, you pretty much took everything I was going to say. It's almost like you're good at this. <laughs> and you've had experience. A little, a little. You know, I'm the, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the forever fate master. Okay. Yeah, no, I also have that problem ever so slightly. No, never, never mind. I'm, I am participating in my wife's game. We have started it up. Uh, we went on a hiatus after our second child came, but I'm um, enjoying that, playing my slightly brutal guild guard. Anyways, uh, why don't you tell us where we can find you? Plug yourself a little bit, Michael. Ah, very well. Well, uh, my name's Michael. I'm the Dead Aussie Gamer. You can find me literally everywhere on the internet. I am a professional entertainer and role player from Perth, Western Australia. I've done stuff on Dungeons and Dragons official. I've done stuff on how to be a great GM. Uh, I believe I've got a game up on the weird YouTube channel. But if you want to see me directly, I do a bunch of role playing games on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash deadaussiegamer. I also give a bunch of advice on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash deadaussiegamer, where uh, I will be, as of next week, starting a tutorial series teaching people how to play through the breach. And, um, yeah, hopefully getting some people, getting some more fate masters out there in the world. That's yes. that's my goal. I want more fate masters around. We need I want pe- more fate masters. That's it. I want people to turn around and be like, "Hey, have you heard of this thing called Through the Breach?" Little little tear drips down my eye as I. <gasps> it's happening! Yay! Okay, and I'm I'm Doug. I'm always Doug. No no surprise here. But go out, play through the breach, and love enjoy this supplement. Buy it, please. Don't steal it. Stealing's wrong. I will find you. <laughs> um, and as I always say, no. But also, we we will be doing fluff, which is some really spoilery stuff, and I'm excited to talk about that. It fills so many holes in the backstory, so that'll be coming next. But um, as I always say, fun is always king. 
Have fun playing your Through the Breach games. Thank you, Mike. Michael. Bye! Michael. <laughs> Bye. Songs used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.